Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are back again, and we're still on that BPRD fix. Yeah. Um, Scott Alley and, and company are still searching for the perfect look, the perfect feel for their to go forward in a BPRD. They haven't yeah. landed on it yet, or have they? They just haven't told anyone. <laughs> Who knows? But today we're going to be covering uh, the issue titled, There's Something Under My Bed. Yeah. Uh, it's a very exciting issue to get to, to explore. But before we can do that, we got a segment for you, <laughs> and it's a doozy of it. It's, oh boy, email. <laughs> and when I say doozy, we welcome the doozy. Yeah, yeah. We welcome your we long emails. It. We love them. <laughs> uh, this comes from our new um, newest emailer. His name is Mark Pitaway. Hello, Mark. I, uh, um, good to have you back. And you warned us. You warned us that you'd have an information dump. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you did not. What's the phrase? Disappoint. <laughs> Disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you did not fail. You did not you fail. Did, but doesn't. Also like, fine. <laughs> that also works. fine, but it, it makes it seem like we, we put it out there as a challenge or like yeah. that's a requirement. Short emails are fine too. Any emails welcome. Any email. email. Any and length. E-email. Um, <laughs> can't say email. So, and also Mr. Pitaway he is in competition with Drew for our official uh, <laughs> nicknames at this point. Oh, yeah. He calls us, as he addresses us in this email, Dear Hellcasters. Hellcasters, We're the Hellcasters. Yeah. We've been called the favorite, our, some listeners' favorite Hellcasters. But I'm telling you right now, Drew's not letting go of calling us crappers. <laughs> crappers. <laughs> crappers will always live, I think. Yeah, it will always live. I do um, like Hellcasters, though. It makes us sound very cool. Very cool. <laughs> we ride up on motorcycles that were forged in the depths of yeah. uh, of hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but his email is titled, Buckle In, This Will Be a Long One. <laughs> uh, so let's just go right in. He says, I'll break this up into multiple emails if this goes on too long. He does. <laughs> but I will try to go in a generally a chronological order as though thoughts occur to me through the podcast. Cool. So he's been listening from the start, yeah. which is epic and thank you. Yeah. Beginning with heads, for no particular reason, you noticed the mural on the wall and called it a demon. You are a particular you are partially correct. It is an Oni, O-N-I, pronounced O-ni, O-ni. They are a uniquely Japanese demon ogre hybrid. They carry an iron club and are generally bad guys, TM, in an interesting twist. However, modern Oni are viewed as protective spirits. Cool. It's a very cool fun fact. Yeah. I wonder if that would ever come if he ever returned to Japan. Would he, you know, team up with an Oni these days? Yeah. Instead of uh, have to fight it. They look very cool. I'm just like Googling them. They're gonna, I think like I've seen these. Yes. I've seen the masks and stuff like very that. Very much so. That's good to know. That yeah. I know that they're a, a hybrid of a demon and an ogre. Very cool. Then he continues into the corpse. You mentioned King Dagda. Yes. Um, who we saw. Didn't get the name until later on um, in the issues. Um, which I think. what did we? When did we get his name again? Dagda and... We found out Edward, it was the one where, uh, I thought you were wrong. I had to correct um, myself because I'm dumb. Couldn't yeah. be caught mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It yeah, doesn't. I didn't I, take I, it I literally, like that. I hate when I do this because I'm so focused on the issue of what we're doing. I forget stuff behind us. That's okay. But, and I'm only kidding. I know you didn't take it. <laughs> and he says, and, and since he plays a massive role, King Dogda, in the future story, and Irish legends are one of my favorites, I thought I'd give a brief history, a brief note on Irish legends. Cool. There were an oral tradition, they were an oral, oral tradition, until they were written down in the Dark Ages by Catholic monks. Since the monks had no inherent interest in ensuring accuracy, they often wrote down their own interpretation of the stories, many through a lens of what they were familiar with, i.e. Greco-Roman mythology. King Dogda is the king, or possibly druid or father, of the Duath de Nananan, pronounced Tuatha. Tuata de Danon. So sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, but you know, I'm not a linguist. <laughs> they are also known as the fairy folk or the hidden people. Cool. Historically, they were the Bronze Age people who were pushed out when the iron using Gale tribes invading the island. According to legend, they hid and dwelt in the land and forests. To survive, they would hide their children amongst the gal's own and steal the original kids to raise in their culture. It was said that redheads were the obvious sign that a changeling had been planted in a household. I feel bad for redheads. Redheads get a lot of they a get a lot, lot of flack. Yeah, for sure. They're constantly being told that they're mischievous, freaks, or distrust, soulless. Yes, I don't believe a word of it. I don't either. I don't believe it one <laughs> ounce. <laughs> I've, I like seen, I've, I've seen I've, I've seen more non-redheads do terrible things. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so the reason you wanted to give the fairy an Irish accent when we see him again in Box Full of Evil is because he is Irish. Colloquially, he would be a leprechaun, though that term has been over-commercialized. Leprechaun. Sure. Makes total sense. Yeah, you're not going to see him on Lucky Charms. Yeah, and then you have the Leprechaun movies. <laughs> yeah. They ruined the whole image of him. Yeah. In multiple ways, from Lucky Charms to that. <laughs> no one will take a Leprechaun The Leprechaun seriously. movies are probably closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Yeah. Recommended further reading, the books of Morgan Llewellyn, especially Red Branch and Finn Mac Cool. Great suggestions. Now he has more on the Varklak. In a background image, you talked about the orb that a figure is holding. That is a symbolic object called a Globus Cruciger. Cruciger. C-R-U-C-I-G-E-R. Cruciger. I hope that I'm pronouncing it. Kate should have no trouble with that one. It's Latin. Thanks. Great. That symbolic object is called a Globus Cruciger. Cruciger. Right? Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds Cruciger. right to me. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. She struggled as long right? with me. You said it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a symbol of the divine right of kings in Christ's dominion over the world, in Christ's dominion. In this context, it helps identify the figure as a king, and since he is pictured here with death, it is a reference to the supremacy of death over all, even the most devout of kings. Ooh, cool. That's a very cool... Symbolic thing. A lot of depth that uh, these images and Mignola puts in his stories. Yeah. So awesome to have a little more on it. Thank you. Then he goes on. Goodbye, Mr. Todd. Firstly, there's a mispronunciation, which is critical to understanding the story. Uh-oh. This is not Mr. Todd. He is Mr. T- Toad, or pronounced Tote Bag with a D-, D. So like 
Toad. Toad. Mr. Toad. 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 Sorry if we pronounced Todd wrong. Goodbye, Mr. Toad. It was Toad. Mr. Toad. Why does this matter, you ask? Because it is German, for which I took for five years before living there for a year. For death. So that is Mr. Death. Oh, cool. Probably a stage name. Totally makes sense. Awesome. That's cool. Mr. Toad. Uh, but that means that title is Goodbye, Mr. Death, and thus a double meaning that they say goodbye to the poor man who explodes, but also that he is a medium and thus can reach beyond death. Oh, awesome. Very cool. That's yeah. very cool to know. Thanks, man. And I'll probably still say Todd. I'm just going to, because Toad <laughs> seems like my brain is working too hard. But I Mr. think of Toad, Mr. Toad's Wild Toad, Ride. Yeah, Mr. Toad. <laughs> but, I, but it's not Mr. Toad. It's Mr. Toad with a Toad. D. Toad. 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 Got oh, it. Okay. Uh, my brain melting. You guys, you guys freaking out yet? Oh, you guys freaking out over my poor language skills? There you go. You're saying it right. I feel like you're saying it all right. Probably. I'm just in my head. Yeah. Lobster Johnson. I agree with you guys that he is similar to a Batman character, but I would make him closer to a Batman parody, specifically Rorschach from Watchmen. I always felt like he was just a normal investigator, but after seeing some shit, his mind broke, and he retreated into the persona of the lobster. I also think if Mike Mignola had maintained his relationship with John Byrne, Lobster Johnson would have been the Torch of Liberty. I honestly didn't realize huh. they were two different characters until I read the series for the second time. I could see that. Yeah. Um, don't, I can totally see that. Especially I, considering the like sidekick character that we saw on Night Train. Like, yes. There are... Um, like parallels to draw from like Captain America, which I think is what like Torch of Liberty. Torch of Liberty is, is yeah. It like seems to be kind of an analogous figure for. Yeah. The parody is a diff is an actually an interesting idea because I, I, parody seems like to me like you're going to directly take parody needs to be more comedic if it's traditionally parody. Uh, like he needs to be really poking holes or fun oh yeah the like batman sort of persona yeah whereas like i think lobster johnson lives on his own plane so i, I find it personally like a closer like analogous versus a parody oh yeah because i don't think because lobster johnson is so violent i don't find him like really making fun and my mignola just doesn't seem like his book is has totally room for parody in a sense yeah. but i do agree with you like I, I can see lobster as being a character who saw some shit and is broken and then sunk back into this other uh uh persona to get through shit and be just like bruce wayne would have sink into batman and so forth yeah i i, I can see those parallels 100 percent. yeah but i think he's an amalgamation like you're saying kate like it's like a batman a cap but then a real dark character. Yeah. In my opinion. For sure. I think like super violent. Oh yeah. Definitely ultra Just violent. Just the epitome of like a pulpy kind of a guy. Yeah. Like Very what much. ho villain like kind of shit like that. For sure. While also shooting people in the face. And, I, and it's interesting to think that if he would be the Torch of Liberty, would he have kept that violence because I don't know. Torch of Liberty, just off of his image alone, the one we have, yeah, he would seems like more very traditionally Cap. Yeah, like a Boy Scout kind of a figure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Boy Scout figure is definitely the right way to say it. Yeah. Box full of evil. I'm surprised at you, Kate. <laughs> the word couldn't you could not remember was icon. 
It was a religious depiction of a saint or Jesus. It was placed on altars as a physical representation of the saint's favor. This is what Igor Broomhead was wearing around his chest. So when Igor Broomhead has the icon of St. Dustin around his neck, he's protected from the powers of Ulak. When the lower half is broken off by Abe, only his upper half is protected, which we see he turns lizard-esque on the bottom. That's pure Mignola. If an icon is desecrated, it would cease to have religious significance. So it's just him making his own mythology with that, with Mignola. Yeah. But as a brief aside, Ulak, a.k.a. Valak, Valak, Valax, Valu, Velik, and Volak, is translated from Hebrew, so spelling is somewhat subjective. His list is listed in the lesser key of Solomon as the great president of hell commanding 30 legions of lesser demons. So he's not as puny as you may think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember us finding him puny. I thought he was big when he definitely, when he says goodbye to Hellboy in that frame and he's like on a giant, like seahorse dragon. I was like, that guy's fucking big. Yeah. But I definitely felt like we knew he was some sort of commander of the city of hell at Panalonia and um, Pan, Pan pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yeah. Um, I wonder uh, too. sorry. Now I'm like stuck on that other the necklace thing and the icon. I wonder if I was also thinking of a scapular. Do you know what that is? It's like a Catholic thing. I think I don't know what that is. Cause this wasn't raised. It's way. basically, it literally like says on it. If you die wearing this, you, you can go to heaven. Oh, wow. <laughs> like Jeez. it's a get enough heaven free card. Um, <laughs> and it's like a little like square of fabric that you wear. Like the square one is on the front and then there's like a cloth string and then there's a square on the back. So you're like protected or whatever. Oh. I wonder if I was thinking of that too. You probably were a little bit. It sounds like that. But icon also sounds right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would have to go back and read it. Having not grown up in that mythology or done most of my research in that. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably. Scapular. You're both maybe. right. <laughs> you're both right. <laughs> or I'm double wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then he continues and he says, which brings me to recommended reading. The Ars Gothet. Goteca, I'm going to have you look at this. The ARS G O E T I C A. Ars Goetica? That's what I, you're probably. Goetica? Goetica. Or Lesser Key of Solomon is a fascinating discourse on ancient demons. I'm going to Google this guy because it sounds evil. Ooh, it's cool. Already cool shit's popping up. List of demons. Sick. Yeah, I know about the list. Like, demons. this is cool. Oh, there's like cool, like occult symbols. Wow, look at this shit. Oh, is wow. that Mignoli oh, or what? Of, that is very Mignoli. That's all that I imagine. That's where cult. he's getting all of this. Uh, yeah, the like demon alphabet signs. that we. See. Oh yeah, he's taking from that. Sick. Look at us. It takes a listener for look us to us really learning. Google all this stuff and <laughs> learn more. <laughs> But I wouldn't he, know how to even start to Google that, though. I feel you. I wouldn't either. What are you going to Google? Squiggly line? Squiggly, squiggly demon line? Pointy arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then he continues and he says, the translations get a little nuts, but it's interesting to note that demons were originally thought to be great fonts of wisdom if you could conjure and contain them. Cool. Which is very interesting because I think that, like, that makes sense. And then they kind of, like, it's almost like the genius thing, like, Get something from them, but be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Seems like that over time is like, it's just grown and sort of snowballed into what we now know and believe demons are. Yeah. It's really fun. And I guess it's sort of like, maybe it's a way to communicate like there's no shortcuts either. Because it's like going to go and doing a shortcut, you're going to go to a demon and then it's going to backfire on you. 
Yeah. And it's sort of that sort of fable of like, you know what I mean? Or like the. Like a careful what you wish for kind of a Yeah. Situation. Like be careful. Hey, there's no shortcuts. Cause yeah. It's like you build something, dudes, in a shortcut, it's going to fall down and kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. And this, you know, most things that are like old mythology, it's like, oh, we're just trying to communicate something. Yeah. In some way, I guess. Uh, and he's all, all cool. that's all I have for seasons one and two. This seems like a good point to break it off. <laughs> I'll continue nitpicking the season three episodes in my next email. Just kidding. <laughs> I do hope you guys find this stuff entertaining and edifying. Very. Very much so. I mean, it didn't even feel like a long email because I was interested in every part of it. Yeah. And it was great. It was a breeze. Like and most of our email. I feel like. I feel I, like we have not had an email to this date that we right. have been angry about. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck <laughs> this guy. No, fuck it's you. all great. Like, I love. Yeah. Especially like, especially if you guys know something else that informs it more. I think that's so nice and helpful for you to send it in. Yeah. It's fun to like get a better idea of like what listeners, cause everybody coming into a different point. Yeah. I do think, I think I've already mentioned this before. Some listeners are reading a comic book and giving this, getting the same thrill and appreciation out of it. But then it's like cool to hear like one listener has this knowledge. So yeah. there's a different enhancement to the comic. One different listeners coming from this angle might not have the same knowledge, but they're still getting the same enjoyment out of it. Yeah. And I think, again, that's a testament to how good the Hellboy and Mignola are. Totally. Then he says, as always, love to you and yours, Mark. Oh, <laughs> uh, he says, we love you. We love you. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever said it. Uh, and he says, P.S. Sorry to hear about the dog, Kate. Oh, thanks. We have four and f four and four cats we have rescued as well. Wow. So I understand the difficulties of adopting. Yeah. Much like human children, dogs can often have mental issues and hangups that are not too much that are too much to overcome. Yeah. I hope she finds a good home eventually, and I hope you and your fiance have better luck. Thanks, man. Would a female fiance be a fiance? Fiance. <laughs> I think we're gonna say a like fiance. the fiance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like the. It sounds like my backup singers. <laughs> Kate and the fiance. I love it. Get those high kicks going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. What a great email. Yeah, Thank great you. email. Well, that was a great email, and we got one more from Mark because. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That one Give was me more. That one was <laughs> so bulky that we wanted to back it up with another bulky one. Because <laughs> you know what? Why not? Yeah. This is another one that comes right from Mark. He it's titled "Buckle In Part Two: <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the History Nerd." He has a subtitle. I like it. I like it too. And then he says, "Dear Hellcasters." As promised, here's all the stuff I noted down from season three. And we're just in the middle of it. Our season three <laughs> is going to go pretty long. Yeah. Uh, he says, Kilroy was here. This is based on uh, the pin that I got. Yeah. I had to find out what Kilroy was that day. He says, this was actually a huge fad in graffiti in the 40s. So much so that the Nazis actually had a program at one point to find this elusive Kilroy. As they were convinced oh, he was a so super funny. spy who went everywhere. <laughs> that's Very so funny. crazy. I'm not even like, it is crazy, but I'm not surprised. I wouldn't, I was about to say like, only could happen in the 40s. I'm like, nah, I bet you. We could still have something like this hit the internet. Yeah. And it would become an epidemic. Again. It reminds or somebody me. somebody would freak out about it. It reminds me of when they put, when they were advertising the Aqua Teen movie and they put like that little symbol in oh, like right. Boston and then people were like, 
what the fuck is this? Like they thought they were going to, it was like a terrorist attack or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then they had like have boxes out too that were like possibly <sighs> flashing images out, but like they just looked like black boxes or something. I, right. You're yeah. right. And it freaked everybody out. Yeah. Yeah. The Shit power like the, of imagery the, like that. Exactly. The symbols like that. Yeah. It's cool. The power. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he says for conqueror worm, the thing to remember about anything written by Poe is that it will be morbid AF. Yeah. <laughs> This is a man who had a patent for a gravestone with a bell and a pole string so that you could alert people if you were buried alive. <laughs> a lifelong fear of his. So when he refers to the tragedy of man, he means the inedible gloominess of man's existence, which ends only when the hero worms eat him so he has no more worries. I trust you oh, wow. see the parallels to Von Klemp's existential despair leading to his calling of the conqueror worm to consume the earth. Very. Wow. That's so cool. There. Yeah, that's very cool. Stuff this is I, excellent. This is excellent. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Professor. Yeah, dude. <laughs> thank you, Professor Pitaway. <laughs> Honestly. I love the stuff, but I just don't have that history brain. Yeah. The history brain, that history mind. So it's this really is helpful. awesome. Then he continues to say the poster on the wall is classic Nazi propaganda, which is the stylized Phoenix rising over the banner bearer, banner bearer of the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. Remember that Nazi Empire was supposed to be the spiritual successor of the Roman, ooh, and the Holy Roman Empires, rising from the ashes to the glory. So there was a lot of Phoenix imagery in the pictures of the times. The Phoenix also again references poor Dr. Oming, who died but was reborn in space. Mm. That's a very cool. I didn't really know all the Nazi uh, imagery, to be honest. I guess that makes sense. Like they we, did use a lot of Roman imagery like that. hundred percent like he's sense. right once he points it out. But I guess I just never studied that aspect of World War II or anything like. I didn't either. I, I never like did in depth or anything. Like I had like history classes that talked about the general events and stuff, but nothing that like analyzed the, the like background of the, or, or I didn't retain it anyway. Um, yeah, that's totally. interesting. That's cool. Yeah. It's very interesting. And he says, Tom man, not cool. Yeah. Nazis aren't cool. <laughs> Just again, uh, Nazis aren't I feel like cool. we spent a lot of time with the, uh, when the podcast first started of being like, cool, but Nazis aren't cool. We don't like them. <laughs> now we're back to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Full circle. Uh, he says, Tom Manning, here's my movie. Hang up with voices. I can't stop hearing Jeffrey Tambor reading these lines. It's the name with Abe and Doug Jones and John Hurt for Dr. Broomholm. Yeah. Uh, Broom. Why did I say Broomholm? <laughs> uh, Broom. The only other one I can't shake is Johann Krauss. I cannot hear anything but that ridiculous thick German accent by Seth MacFarlane. I will say I think the movies capture yeah. Dr. Manning perfectly. He really wants the BPRD to run smoothly like a normal bureaucracy, and it never will. This leads to a lot of subconscious animosity toward all the non-humans on staff. It's not that he doesn't think they're worthy of respect, but he resents the way they represent the paranormality of his job. That's mm. my headcanon, at least. Cool. It's a good take. Yeah. Good, strong take on Tom Manning. I think I, I, I would say, like, I need to rewatch the movies and pay attention to Tom Manning mm -hmm. again. I think I only, um, my only gripe with Tom Manning and Jeffrey Tambor's Tom Manning uh, is that it's they're so one it has like a world cliche of like a bureau member like going on a late night talk show that happens yeah. in Hellboy I think one that's right I forgot that's, about that I just we'll talk about it in detail later but that, I think that's pretty fucking I can't wait dumb. to rewatch this movie yeah. dude I remember that being 
that's just like a sign of a cheap device, I think, that mm. doesn't make sense. Regardless of it being secret. Right. Why the fuck could that would you do that? But I think also Tom Manning, I, I, I can see all these internal things that I think he's pointing out that are strong and good character traits for like mm. a, at least a complex character. What I don't like is that like, I don't believe that Tom Manning, I just don't want, I, I just have gripes when we've, I've said it before of how the Bureau is so like men in black and secretive. Whereas right. the one in the comics I feel like is out in the open. Yeah. They're more accessible to like regular, like police forces and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. But good thing, a uh, good internal like breaking down of Dr. Manning, I thought. Yeah. yeah that's great. Poster with Hellboy and the Lightning. He says, I disagree with your read on this poster. Ooh. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I think the lightning Hellboy with the glowing eyes represents his inner evil demon. He's drawing his power from that, but he's just the good guy underneath. That's my read anyway. Look, oh. not at all of these bolt bolts are going to be amazing insights. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can look at that. I mean, I don't think any of our opinions on here are set in stone. I think that's a great interpretation of it. Yeah. I just don't like that poster. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I think just design, dislike that poster. I dislike it. I think maybe we've touched on this before and I think this is just always going to be different. What? One viewer likes of a character and one doesn't, or one how he one views another character. Yeah. I don't see Hellboy as a guy who naturally is always struggling with the idea of like, should I just be a demon? I think he's a guy that has an external people saying, you need to follow your destiny. And I think Hellboy's a guy that's like, I picked it already. Shut the fuck up. Like, there are so many freaking posters for this movie that I forgot. I had to Google it. I was like, which one is that again? But I mean, I I see it now. There's way too many posters. There's so many. Again, we've they're just trying. There's a lot of panic. Let's fuck it. Let's try everything. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't think you're wrong in looking at it that way. And I get And if that's how you see Hellboy with having that personal internal struggle, I could be. I might be, I'm when half the time I'm fucking wrong. And, <laughs> and also that's just how I see it. That's my Hellboy. You're, this is your Hellboy. I can't wait p- to hear what Pitaway thinks of the movie. Yeah. So great. And then he continues. Someone beat me to the saint identification in the scene with the dead guys listening to the heads. But the other cool little detail is that the cabinet that those heads are in and conquer worm. Yeah. They're in, in is a confessional. Oh, Which wow. I didn't know, realize that was. Yeah, me neither. Know. I wouldn't know how I would know. The heads are whispering their sins to the Nazi listeners. Creepy, spooky symbolism. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a cool little way to look at that whole terrifying that's awesome. use of them. Right? And then he says, aside, rule 34 of the internet states, if it exists, there is porn of it on the internet. Right. Okay. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. Then he says, less well known is rule 35 of the internet. If porn does not exist of it, it will. It will. Yeah, it's inevitable. <laughs> yep. And then he goes on to speak of Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth, fun note. Arschlock, which Johan shouts when the critters are attacking, means asshole. It's actually the <laughs> mouthiest of the crew. He is actually the mouthiest of the crew in the comics, probably because they can get away with cursing in German. Yeah, you totally. F- oh, that's funny. <laughs> it is very funny. Just that's to let cool. him just rant. <laughs> obscenities just because no one will trans take the time to translate like us <laughs> yeah uh little thing you missed the giant skeleton they pass before the end of issue one is the skeleton of the big daddy creature the fight immediately following what you call the big daddy the big monster that came through into yeah the tunnels 
Oh, yeah. I think that's what he's revving. So it's like a oh, skeleton cool. of one of those. Well, I'm glad we didn't have to fight something in that ah, crap moments. Yeah. That's very funny. And to know <laughs> that, it's like, cool, we didn't have to fight that. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, we did, didn't we? <laughs> and I'm probably mistaking the, the moments. Um, but great. He says, that catches me up. I hope I'll have a chance to keep bugging you in the future like the rest of the Heldom on here. <laughs> Sweet. And he says, Kate, love you too. Dave. Why is all the love one sided here? <laughs> Sorry. It's not that I don't love you. I just. Why don't you love me, Hellboy Daddy? <laughs> oh, no. I do yeah. Not want, I it's do, getting weird do, like that now. Do not, do not make me Hellboy Daddy. <laughs> That's gross. You could cut that out if you want. I'm leaving don't it. Don't want in. that one to catch on. I'm leaving it. And if you guys allow it to catch on, you're all per- perverse. <laughs> yeah. It's all your faults. Perverse, perverse, perverse. <laughs> hey, I love you too. I just don't say it. Hey, yeah. It's implied. <laughs> uh, he Mar- shows it. Yeah, and he signed off. Mark, great. Mark Thank Pitaway, you. too great. You were right. We had to buckle in, but man, it was worth the ride. Yeah, and no way was it bugging us. It was very helpful and informative. Yeah, a lot of like it. good insights, and it, and it adds to especially adds to what we've already read. Yeah. When we ever return to it, it will add to that. Yeah. Those little tidbits of knowledge. So thank you so much. It's great. And remember anybody else out there, if you want to add to that conversation, email us please at ah crap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. As you can see, we love your emails and we read them all. <laughs> yeah. We read literally almost everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I got to get water. Because I read these long ass emails. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we get back, we're going to jump right into BPRDs. There's something under my bed. Ooh. Hi, I'm Jessica Jardin. And I'm Marcy Jarrow. We're the hosts of Kardashian It, a podcast about all things Kardashian here on Campfire Media. The first family of Calabasas is back with season 15 of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. We're recapping episodes each week and covering a never-ending news cycle of the rapidly expanding Kardashian universe. Which includes crossovers with your favorite rap and sports stars. And this season we can expect family drama, secret pregnancies, the Chloe Tristan cheating scandal and cover up. And let us not forget Kanye's pre-album drop meltdown or Kim's new Trump allegiance. Hey, even if you aren't a fan of this family, their reach stretches to so many areas of pop culture. You're not going to want to miss our examination of the ultimate celebrity phenomenon. So check out Kardashian It, a podcast about all things Kardashian. And remember, the devil works hard, but Kris Jenner works harder. Kardashian It on Campfire Media. Welcome back to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! And today we're looking at BPRD, There's Something Under My Bed. (laughs) And we got (laughs) written by Joe Harris, illustrated by Adam Polina and Guillermo Zubiaga. Yeah, he does the inks. Yeah. And then colored by Lee Luridge. Luridge. (laughs) <laughs> lettered by Pat Brousseau <laughs> I'm just like letting that sink into my brain lettered by Pat Brousseau edited by Scott Alley originally published as BPRD there's something under my bed that was in November 2003 so yeah we're taking a look at this other one-off freak of the week kind of BPRD early BPRD story um, we got the on the cover 
Abe in the shadow of a freaky monster looming over Abe and a bunch of these little kids that he's like protecting and this sort of like stuffed monster in the foreground. And right off the bat, we were kind of saying like the art style was very much like reminiscent to me of uh, McFarlane. Yeah, but you had a specific, a very specific McFarlane that you were thought of. Like, because I think I was generally thinking of Spawn, McFarlane, Greg Capullo. I think is how you pronounce his name. That kind of, I think that's who I think it is. They did a lot of the uh, Spawn covers. It's thinking mm-hmm. that style, but you. Or like Sam Keithy kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, Sam Keithy is especially, yes. Like Max. But you had a very, <laughs> a flash of a very particular Tom, Todd McFarlane um, illustration. Yeah, specifically <laughs> his his cover for Korn's Freak on a Leash, the <laughs> album. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, that's what it reminds me of. Cause he like has a bunch of little kids on that yeah. um, cover, I'm sure. Yeah, they're like playing hopscotch on the edge of yeah, very off like a cliff. And it's like a weird updated version of, in a sense, sometimes little Shell Silverstein world where they're yeah. on the edge of the world, but it's darker because it's McFarlane. It's corn, man. Yeah, it's corn McFarlane and McFarlane. And corn. Did you ever see that McFarland uh, animated? music video by Pearl Jam for that song Revolution they did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very good, it's very good, like, animated music video. Good song, too. I'm not, even, I'm not even, I can't even count myself as a Pearl Jam fan. Very rocking song. I was going to look up a little screenshot of it, but when I put in Revolution McFarlane, all these Matrix toys came up. <laughs> Pretty sick, though. Cool. You now you're in a now we're never gonna get this episode completed because <laughs> I'm just gonna be just looking at looking sick at- toys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's like the style hit me like that, like pretty strongly, very much like a for me, like a late nineties, early two thousands kind of a style of uh of drawing here. Yeah, totally. Um well, it's not bad. It's just that's what that's just seems like in a sense, it's like what was popular and big at the time. Yeah. Things come in waves. Just so. that, yeah, that style of kind of like, kind of jagged, like jagged corners and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not like so stylized as to be like, have you ever seen the Human Torch um, comics that were like from around this time, 2003, 2004, that were like super, almost like graffiti-esque kind of, uh, like drawings. Let me, let me, I'm I don't know if I have, to be honest. Like 2000s? Yeah, I'm trying to... I, I, lo- I loved them when I was young. Like, I thought they were really cool looking. Like these ones. Can you kind of see that? They're kind of yeah, small. Yeah, I get that style. Yeah. That's very much quite... too... It reminds me of the Age of Apocalypse and Onslaught style of X-Men at that era, right? Yeah. Is it similar to that? Yeah, it's kind of like like I'm bad. I can't, I can't think of the artist because I didn't read it on an irregularity. The penciler Scotty Young, and then inkers like Joe Sung and Pierre Andre Durai. Uh, so yeah, just not as exaggerated as like that Human Torch kind of thing, but like in that same vein, like it all feels very like early two thousands to me. This kind of illustration style for sure. I I pick up on that immediately as myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it kind of opens up on this very, uh, we have like a pretty straightforward panel scheme, like a nine panel. Nines. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't count. I can't count. I can't count. Nine, Dave, nine. (laughs) (laughs) We went over numbers. Um, yeah. (laughs) Just like setting it up like 
um, small town where small things happen kind of a thing. Little kid doesn't want to go to bed because something's under there. Parents don't believe him. They're kind of fighting. Dad doesn't want his kid to be a little pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I think he says sissy specifically. He calls him a sissy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very early 2000s, like comic book, like uh, um, rough at home. Yeah. I feel like the 2000s were like, they just like glazed over anytime a child was supposed to have a heart at home. It meant that the father wanted them to be stronger. Yes. And the mother was like too soft on them. Yeah. I noticed this when I've been reading, because along with the Kirby Fantastic Fours, I've been reading the Ultimate Fantastic Four. And that's straight up, it's that, oh, Reed comes from a ha- fa- family where his dad wants him to be tough. And the mom <laughs> is like, too coddling and it's just must like must have been a big thing or it's like an easy thing i guess to write yeah but it's also like weirdly sexist yeah towards like yeah <laughs> it's true it's so yeah. yeah did all of your dads all yell at you I'm yeah like, i want you to be stronger <laughs> you little pussy bitch <laughs> i had a very sensitive dad so it like doesn't resonate with me at all i feel like he was like would ne- I mean, I'm also not a boy. We don't have any boys. Like, I don't have any brothers. So it's like hard to say, but like, I don't know. It like never really resonates with me, but it, so it, it's such a frequent, it's such like a huge cliche that it must be like, there must be these hard ass dads that there, are yeah. doing this, right? Um, yeah, probably. Chucking footballs at your head or yeah, whatever like, the fuck. Fucking catch it. Yeah. Luckily, my dad was like, unless he got it out because my third brother was like a football player. Yeah. But maybe, but like I was never into sports. What I, number I in your sports, siblings like, are you? I'm five. I'm oh, wow. Five. Yeah. So he might've been like, by that point, he's like, he wants the arts. Great. I support it. Yeah. He's just defeated. <laughs> he's like, whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> defeated. <laughs> or just supportive. <laughs> yeah. Is the real way to go. I don't know if you ever felt defeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we got that basic setup happening. Um, uh, I like the shot of like the shadows at night. I think that's pretty cool. And the reveal of this monster co- re- emerging yeah. from under the bed. Um, and the monster design is very cool. It's very yeah. unexpected. And, and it's, it's like you've, you've pointed out that like Guillermo and the way he makes this, um, monsters is like, he picks one aspect and you like sort of like blow that out of proportion or put it off kilter. Yeah. That's like seems- how kids design their. Yeah, monsters. and it's like I feel like this monster is designed that way. Yeah, because it feels the head where the head would be. It's like where it's in the middle of the body. Yeah, you know, like already like ugh, weird. It reminds me of that big red Looney Tune. Um, fuck, dude, I know this big red Looney Tune. I know Gossamer. Gossamer. Yes, it is very Gossamer. You are one hundred percent with the sneakers. Yeah, with the little yeah. sneakers. Um, very gossamer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. he like has a vague resemblance to the toy that he's holding in the first page um but yeah he does like the bobby like (laughs) but i'm sure like gravelly and monstery he gets up and is pissed that bobby didn't ask for juice like he requested (laughs) yeah it's like i asked but my mom said no um and bobby it it's sad he's just like they fight like it's kind of like more about this kid being like sad about his parents than being afraid of this monster and he's not even like I don't feel like Bobby shows any fear towards the monster until he is mad at, until he grabs him. Yeah. Like Bobby's literally on the side of his bed talking to the monster casually. Yeah. And he's, the monster says he's going to eat him. 
Yeah. He's like, I'm going to put brown sugar and like honey on you and bake you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. I don't think they do either. Like, damn, these parents did a number on Bobby. He's yeah, like, they did. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> Takes him, <laughs> clicks a button, fucking flashes out of there. Um, and then cut to, you know, your standard image of the BPRD building. Yeah, I think this is a good, so we had, to, I'm just going to reference the last time we, we, we went through the BPRD stories. Yeah. And just, this is a good transition, like zip. And then the sound effect of Bobby again mm-hmm. gets us into like, then we transition to them watching the video. Yeah. I thought that it, was cool too. Very smooth. Unlike. We was a little clunky at the last time where like it went from claw to claw, but it was like instead of going claw to claw directly, there was like be the bureau, then yeah. the claw. Whereas this is, I think, very smooth transition. Yeah, we literally get the same like sound effect graphic, but yeah. like a little smaller and more far away, which I think really effectively does that. Like yeah. it shows you that it's like a tinny not like a tinny but like a quieter like recording yeah um and then the weird i mean the weird viewing of the the like nanny cam is yeah the, the sort t- of fisheye lens that happens yeah. there i thought that was pretty neat yeah um yes they the parents didn't really believe him about the monster but thought he was you know wanted to check out what he was doing but oh fuck he's right there's a monster <laughs> yeah. um and i yeah i like that kind of like looming image of the monster there tiptoeing around the room. Um, Electricity went out. There are other kids missing. Uh, You know, Kate's giving them the rundown of pretty much what's going on. Yeah. And then one guy mentions it looks like a toy. That thing I mean, we bought one a while back, you know, (laughs) my kid for my kid. I mean, like this doofus BPR. Do you remember with his feet up? And he looks, he's dressed more casual than the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. He's the jokester, even though he's literally just saying, like, information. (laughs) He's not making any kind of joke. He's just like, it looks like a toy I got. Yeah, so we see, like, Abe here. I I do not hate the design of Abe. Like, I kind of like that he's, like, this skinny sort of, like, skeletal guy. Yeah, I think it's just a good... um, Illustration for illustration and uh, like this style, I think lends itself, but uh, like it very much like changes. Like it's a bit inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, the consistency changes for sure. It's like you know, stuff's like really exaggerated one way or another. I would agree with that. Yeah, they're kind of like we. You gotta go check this out because all these kids are disappearing. They ran the numbers and are like, we think we know what they'll be. Will be the next one. Yeah. But then there's a little like fun back and forth a bit about them being monsters themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that part of it where it's like whether these monsters mean the kids any real harm is like being debated here. Kate says to Abe and it upsets you um, that, how shall we say, average people usually assume the worst considering the motivations of the above average, I mean, like so, yeah. And then you see in one panel all of these above average BPRD members. And Roger says to her, she's good. Shut <laughs> like up. She knows, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, a little yeah. more of their relationship they developed. <laughs> yeah. Roger doing that thing of like kind of saying whatever he wants. He's like a, almost reminds me of like a little bit of um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Drax? Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of Drax. A little Draxy there. I can see that. And then 
Kate's like, now let's try not to frighten the children, shall we? (laughs) Sends them off on their way. We see them like talking to the parents of this other little girl. Again, another aspect that I love, they're in a a domestic home and these people are not batting an eye. Yeah. They're just like accepting that they have a fish man, a a a spirit man, (laughs) uh, and a woman who they, they might not know. Yeah, like they're letting them in. I mean, they do say like, oh, she's a little shy. She's not used to you guys, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. But that's like the extent of it. Their face doesn't look to me like of hate or fear. Yeah, they're kind of of like like amused Yeah, like they're amused and like, yeah, she's not, it's a little girl. In a sense, I almost just see it as a parent being like, she's not used to this. Yeah. Like we're grownups. We can handle it. Right. She's a child. We know you guys are in the government (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're saying to them like you guys it's it's totally cool that you're here thank you but we you guys are just a little bit weird (laughs) johan like makes a butterfly out of his like ethereal (laughs) kind of like spirit yeah and the girl's like wubba flies she can't fucking talk she's a little baby (laughs) and then so they like get all set up the little girl's getting sleepy abe gets into the closet I do want to point out real quick, I do like Johan's dialogue right over that, where he's like, I understand entirely. Look at myself in the mirror some mornings, and I see what you do, and I see what you do. There is no offense, but in my line of work, I find it important to remember that it is one one thing to be a monster, while being monstrous is something else entirely. Yeah. I think that's a great, like, that's something if I was writing a movie about the BPRD, I would pull that. Yeah, that's Quote, a huge line for, a for them, for sure. And they make Abe, this is great, yeah. <laughs> what Abe's duty is. They make him sit in the closet. <laughs> like, while the kid goes to bed, they're like, well, he'll, like, scout this thing. Meanwhile, like, I guess Liz and Johan are, like, in the kitchen just drinking coffee and hanging out. Yeah, that's what I believe Yeah, is going on, too. Like, they're making the family do, it's like a thing of, like, what's someone like a stakeout. It's like, okay, let the family do their normal routine. We'll be in position to, to ready to act if needed. Yeah. And that's what happens. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. There's like the power goes out again, as we've seen before with the other monster encounters. The closet is just ripped open completely. We see a huge clawed hand grabbing Abe's whole face. Uh, Liz runs in, gun drawn. Abe, oh my God. And then this huge, like cartoonish kind of a monster. Yeah. Again, looking like a toy. He's got like a mohawk on him. Yeah, he's got like a mohawk, like a <laughs> fucking two. teddy bear nose, but like <laughs> a big scary mouth and like, yeah, tail wrapped around Abe. Um, and he, he's just saying, Oogie. <laughs> yeah, Oogie. What happened to backup? <laughs> and so he's like just smashing all these BPRD members. And it kind of has these like cartoonish expressions. Like it really, Mm -hmm. this part especially really, it makes me think of like Max or something. And it has like a device in its hand. It's going for the device and grabs the girl, grabs Abe, zaps them, or grabs Abe and zaps them away. And Liz has the girl like safely in her hands. And then it cuts to House of Toys an abandoned but not empty toy store. Yeah. Um, with like fucked up shitty shopping carts outside of it. Like it looks like if you walked a block that way, the scene from the corn uh, yeah. <laughs> album cover would be unfolding. Like it, this. The looks- kids play their hopscotch and then they go to this abandoned toy store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have like just 
these toys kind of scattered everywhere. Some of the boxes are open and we see the shadows of some of these things like walking around. And then we get kind of a like exaggerated. I almost think like not like a Brooklyn accent necessarily, but like you wove a stuffed piece of patchwork, like all that stuff. Yeah, like, like that traditional cartoon <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon voice. Yes. Yeah, from a monster. Much. Like, a, yeah, I think you're right. I think that it's like, I'm the boss and this is how I'm talking kind of a thing. Where it's and like, he has an eye patch. Yeah, he's got an eye patch. He's like an evil guy. He's got like these big, gross jack-o'-lantern looking teeth that are like sticking out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Pointing at a, the other toys and stuff like that. Yeah, because he's mad at the one we just saw. Yeah, for who was attacked. And he got Abe instead of a kid. And Abe's watching this whole thing through a keyhole, watching these guys all like yell at each other. We have like a little, the one that stuck out to me the most was this octopus with six eyes and a cigar and a little bowler head. Yeah. <laughs> want more of these little monsters. Yeah, these guys are pretty, pretty cute. Um, <laughs> Abe's watching them fight it out through the, you know, through this keyhole in this like little side room where all these kids are being held captive. They're pretty scared of Abe. They're like backed up against the wall. Yeah. He looks pretty much as monstrous as the things that kidnapped him. Yeah. So he's like trying to hatch this plan and they're all like terrified. Yeah. It's um, a very fun moment because he's like adv- devising a plan outwardly. Yeah. Like he's going through it verbally, but he's turned away from them and just saying like, okay, well if we do this, maybe if you guys like fake a tummy ache, then we can, and then he realizes. <laughs> yeah. And then I think it's funny because with us and I think cutting back to them all terrified, it's like, Along with him, we're reali- like going through that moment with him of going, I got this plan, and then realizing, oh, my audience yeah. is scared of me because they're children. They've lost. <laughs> they're, they're completely lost. And then, so who wants to crawl through Phil for ice cream? <laughs> like with a shrug, like he knows he's like, well, like, I don't have these guys fully on my side yet. Meanwhile, the monsters are still like, okay, so the monster says here, you call yourselves nightmares. I don't even think a lot of you measures up to daydreams. So like they're <laughs> nightmare toy yeah, monsters. I'll be honest. At the, by the end, I still am very unclear. Yeah. I was like, are they forgotten toys that have, you know, gotten become nightmares? Are they night? Are they from the minds of these children? I, yeah. But we yeah. can continue because I really don't understand them. I mean, they have that little button that like zaps them over here. Like, is it some technology gone awry? But then that has a little foil to it at the end too, though. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, that's my yeah. He's yelling at them like, almost like what am I? What am I trying to think of? Like, like Space Jam style, kind of a boss, like cigar chomping, very yelling space, at him. Space Jam is very good reference for I think these guys. That's right, because the rest of them are just cowering. Even the big, scary-looking monsters are like, uh, like yeah. scared of the boss. So yeah, they go bust into the little like closet where they were keeping all the kids, but of course they're all gone. Meanwhile, we see Abe helping the kids out of the vent. Well the- done, Abe, because if you had to get th- children through a, an air vent, I don't even know where I would begin. I don't know. Because I'm not going to push them ahead of me because they're going to fucking fall. Yeah, but you got to get them all up there and then get past them, then down and then get them down. Yeah. You got to pull them up. What a fucking mess. Glad we didn't see that whole fucking <laughs> yeah. rigmarole. And then Bobby's here still being sad. He's like, I want to stay. Bobby, you, uh, Charlie kidnapped you and it's dangerous. And he's like, he wants to stay. Not all monsters can be bad or have to be bad. Do they? And Abe's like, sure. Like, you, we see Abe smiling, which at, yeah. up to this point, Abe's been incapable of 
smiling right there. This yeah. is like the first time we see him like with this big goofy grin. Yeah, Bobby just doesn't want to go back. He hates his fucking parents. Yeah, I, I can't tell if that where that smile is really coming from. Again, this is there's this comic this issue has a couple of confusing moments throughout for me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think I think following. it's him smiling sheepishly at these monsters showing up. Is that okay? I think so. I think in this middle panel where he, you have these like lines of surprise or like because it's in response to his question, right? He's saying, "Do they like do monsters?" I all, think as he do all monsters hears have that, to be bad, and then as he says, "Do they?" Then the creature, then the monster speaks. Yeah, then the monster. Then he are smiles. Like, we got to separate like, you from the other kids. So he's smiling sheepishly at like, oh, busted. Right. Okay. Um, I thought that was it, but I was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And then I'm done playing around, fellas. Eat the little pukes. As this like monster spitting into their face, Abe kind of like takes a jibe at them because like eating the children is so done. This has a corny ass line too. Yeah. Not quite the thoroughly modern monsters. Are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eating the children is so done. But that's a reference to modern, uh, thoroughly modern Millie. There's a musical. It's such a, oh, it's such a heavy. Didn't even catch that at all. Because it's very, it's just like one of those jokes where you're like, this is, it's just over, overly clever. Right. It's very funny. I have never heard of this thing. <laughs> Really modern, modern. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a music, a well known musical. That's all. Oh, okay. That's the only reason I know. I've never seen it. Don't know anything about it beyond the title. Yeah, that's. F- it really <laughs> caught me off guard that Abe would even say that. Right. What sometimes, a reference for Abe to make. For like, yeah. Sometimes just referential like one liners. I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess he rescues the kids long enough to be like, okay, sound off for a head count, and oh. Crap. We get an aw crap. Get an aw crap. So that's cool. It's not Hellboy, but we got Abe saying aw crap. Aw crap. He realizes he left Bobby behind to get eaten by the monsters. He yells at the monster to step off, (laughs) which is like funny to hear coming out of Abe's mouth. Like, step off. (laughs) Yeah. What in the name of Earl? I have no idea. Like the writing in this is just like throwing me a little like I think it's just trying to be, it's like you said, like trying to be clever or trying to be it reminds me of like milk and cheese or something like Uh sometimes they'll just say some shit that's like overly fanciful or something like they'll use like this like just overly formal language formal or or like yeah and it's i guess it kind of makes me think of that i can see that yeah you're on the wrong team greenie like all these like funny sort of lines uh yeah yeah. it's 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 definitely different (laughs) For, yeah, for and I don't even different in the bad. It's just different for. It's different from what we've seen. What we've so seen far. in the world that we're used to at this point. Yeah, like the monster Abe gets hit in the head and he sees stars. Like stars are circling around his hurt head. It's crazy. You're, it's I mean, very cartoony compared to like any other thing that we've seen. But then that same page and the next panel, like the dialogue from these monsters is so wild. Yeah, he says, "Don't you want your place in the sun?" Don't you know what it's like to be feared? And I'm like, are you now talk? Are you trying to communicate with Abe as another monster? I think so. Yeah. He's saying like join our team almost yeah, or something. It feels so rushed and like out of yeah. no, even though I know that's what Abe sort of referenced earlier, it just doesn't seem as clean as if we've seen before yeah. of like the idea of being a monster, even though, I don't, outwardly I look like it, but really I'm not. Yeah, and then, okay, so then 
He says I do. And he's got like a little, he's got the he's like remote thing. thing. Yeah. And then the monster's screaming at Bob in Bobby's face. We had a plan, Charlie and me, but you ain't scared no more, are you? <laughs> so what's it take, kid? What's it going to take to make you? And then he gets interrupted by Charlie. No, Oogie, you had a plan. I just let it go on for far too long. Oh, so wild what term. plan, dude? What plan? Like <laughs> yeah, a plan I've to so take like, the kids or like, were they going to hold them for ransom to, from the parents or they were going to scare them and scare like them and eat their eat scares, them, eat the kids. <laughs> like, yeah. Monsters Inc. came out two years before this before was this. published. And I'll tell you right now, Monsters Inc. Very clear what their goal was. Very. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very straightforward. <laughs> like Explained we knew what it. they needed those scares for. Right. Yeah. It's a job. <laughs> I guess these are just monsters that eat kids. That's pretty much. But then why As, keep them? I thought they would just be eaten. Yeah, wouldn't they why just would eat they them in the bedroom? Them? Or they they have to use a device to flash out of there? Yeah, it's very com- complicated Yeah, and, and, and unclear. And then Abe assumes that this thing is also going to transport them. So he's with all the kids. He's like, we're getting out of here now. Clicks on it and just music comes out. It's a toy. <laughs> yeah, it's so just a weird, broken funny toy. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um... Is it? And then I'm like wondering: Is it a mix-up, or has it been a toy all along? Which will sort of play into the like the last time we see the monsters coming up. Then we hear from this huge hole in the ceiling: "Fangs back in the mouth, raise your claws, and step away from the children." And then BPRD guys come rappelling in from the helicopter to rescue everybody. Oh yeah. Um, Liz apologizes for taking so long. Sure, for you guys, they can't. They come along quietly. Like the kids are all organized now. And these toys yeah. are just splayed out, ripped to shreds across the f- ground. I don't think they're ripped to shreds. I think they're, oh, I they're think reverted each, back to, to toy toys. versions. Okay. Which again is just another clear, th- unclear thing for me throughout the whole story is, right. so are they always toys all along is what I'm, you know what I mean? Right. It's a cool idea. Were they demons like inhabiting a toy? Yeah. And it's not like I don't need to have like somebody lay it out in a sense of like, Here's what's exact, but like, I need a little bit. I need yeah. something to explain to me, like, what the fuck did we just go through? <laughs> yeah, right. What exactly are we watching here? Yeah. Because toys being inhabited, it's like fun, like Chucky fun. <laughs> yeah. They're, and it's not, it's not ever really explained. Like they sort of like, she's inspecting a, a box that the one of the toys come in that says. This that is a moment. Can I say the yeah. moment you're hitting on right now? When I was reading it, and I read it earlier today. Yeah. For, before we go, I read it again before. And when it got to this panel, you're hitting on that. Yeah. Liz is picking up the box. I'm confused at this point. I'm like, I really don't. I get there. Whatever they were, I'm just unclear. Sure. And I was like, I don't know why they're there. They were doing what they're doing. I don't know where they come from. When she picked up the box, I was like, oh, this panel's going to have something that's going to like... <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I, I'm I'm getting too far ahead of myself. She'll let us you know. You need to chill out. You just need to... They'll know. I read what's on the fucking box. It just says, and like I had to like get it close to make me. Me sure. too. I was like, I was like zoomed into this thing. Recommended for children age four to six. What the fuck? <laughs> nothing. It's cool. It added nothing. It's like, yeah. Why even zoom in and show that? Why have her look at that? How does this help the, how does this help move the story along? 
Yeah. Yeah. So toys. Like, young toys are for four to six. Yeah. Like, what? Okay. Because it's not like it's not a situation where like it was a story about toys attacking adults, and then you come around to like try to do like saying like you shouldn't be playing with these. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're meant for kids. It has no. And a weird it like parallel or like parable or some bullshit that would be clever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah, let's <sighs> just like we'll question them later after some cocoa. Abe, can I have a shot of something in mine? Uh, <laughs> Which is funny because you probably should. I like, need that too. <laughs> yeah, we need one because we don't understand what the to fuck understand happened. What the fuck is going on? Um, after you help us get evidence up from Fairfield, who the hell knows what happened? Or yeah, Great. who the hell knows what happened here? Exactly. Yeah, no one. Who knows? They'll have to be safe. We'll have to torch the entire store, though. Everything. All right. Uh, and then Bobby is going shush. Because he's taking, like, Charlie back or whatever. He's taking this monster back with him, who looks a little different, by the way. Slightly different, yeah. Slightly different. No, Almost no consistency here. Bobby looks different to me. Uh, Sure, I think everything's just fine. He gives the okay to Bobby. But also winking. He's doing two. It's like, I'm surprised we don't cut to Liz going... Take that fucking away from him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I'm an investigator, okay? And even if I wasn't, you fucking just did the, a big wink and an okay. You look like a chef on a pizza box right now, dude. <laughs> I saw that. Give me a break, Abe. <laughs> Come on, Abe. I'm your fucking friend. That's I'm your a monster. Friend. <laughs> We're going to be back here in two weeks with this. You want us to come back here all the time? <laughs> Now Bobby gets juice. His parents get along because they almost, they lost their son. His son. Their son got kidnapped. So finally they're nice to him. Call him champ again. He's all tucked in. I guess we don't have to worry about monsters under the bed anymore. Bobby says, no, just imaginary friends. And it cuts to the monster under the bed being just a toy, like a not becoming <laughs> a monster for some reason, dude, for some reason. I uh, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you why. <laughs> I couldn't either. It really like reminisces to like, I don't know. Like it's just like early 2000, like half, half baked, clever storytelling. Yeah. And I something think about the wanted... early 2000s that the, we, we see a, a peak in that. I wish I had yeah. examples off the top of my head, but I even think of some of the spawn stories I read back in the day were sort of like that. We're right. like, look, it's about race. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, being like but a little muddy and it's a little like muddy telling. and a little like and a little too clever. Like, look what Spawn did. He turned the Ku Klux Klan leader into a black man. Right. And now he's going to get killed <laughs> by the rest of the Ku Klux. And I'm like, that doesn't solve fucking racism. Right. It's just a clever fucking thing you did. Do you know what I mean? It's But it's not like helping the cause. <laughs> I just don't know. Like. But I mean, that's a, that is that spawn example is very extreme, but this just leaves you empty. Right. Where it's just like, what is it? What, like, what did we do here? What did we do here? I They just had There's somebody who liked there. to draw these cartoony monsters and they wanted to give them an opportunity to do that. But it's like, it could have been clearer what they were and where they come from and what they wanted. I guess they wanted to eat kids, but are they toys that have become monsters because they're in an abandoned toy store or I like yes i don't know and i'm i'm sorry but you're not gonna you're not gonna win me over by not explaining anything and then at the end having a pbr agent go who knows what happened here 
Right. Cause like, it's like, tell us, <laughs> I want to know. Cause I, I'm fine with the idea of like a story ending ambiguously in a sense of right. like, Ooh, I don't really leaving me with that sort of eerie, unsure feeling of ambiguity. But this just, but when you flat out just go, I don't know what I just sat through. <laughs> right. That's not ambiguity. That's yeah. fucking, just you like, didn't do the, doesn't all the feel work. like you finished it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feels a little unfinished. Ugh. It's no the, idea. I don't know. I really am like, and again, I think. And quite honestly, I'm not in love with the style of it. A hundred percent. I'm not. It's just a little, it's too inconsistent. It's not my favorite. It's very, that 90s style, as you mentioned. Yeah. That's like, and for some reason, in some the, in the two, cool. I'm not 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. That style seems to be very, if you look back, a very hit and miss era. For sure. Like yeah. it's known for being, it's like almost one of its characteristics is inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. Of that era. Yeah. And it's like we finally bounced back and now we're back in the era along with Mignola being always consistent and in other than him evolving, like we've gotten back to artists coming back and being consistent. I yeah. Think, and people appreciating that. Yeah. Very fascinating. Very fascinating that this, and it's like, I keep looking at these four issues as like tryouts for, for the sure. BPRD, like like Scott Alley has said, like how they weren't sure what they're were gonna do. So it almost feels like they were doing tryouts. And I would say if I if I was a judge, Guy Davis fucking pulled ahead of everybody. Yeah. For really sure. far and really fast. Everybody did a fine job, but they just were like, Yeah, your your style's not for this. Yeah. Your style's just not hitting the mark for what we want the B what I would think the BPRB BPRD is going to be. Yeah. I'm just trying to look. So I'm looking at other like clunky. Adam Polina stuff. And it. I bet there's stuff that he work does very well. Yeah. The style like fits and matches up with. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I recognize that name, but. It's like I, X-Force stuff, like this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly that era of X-Men is in X-Force and that. Yeah. That works for some people. It's not my absolute it's favorite. It's not my favorite. Favorite either, and then it's one other artist to Guillermo Zubiaga. He did the inks, so I'm very curious what else he's done as well. And I, I mean, and listeners, I would love to hear from you if you guys know any more works uh, of these guys is that would would be a better highlight to admire them versus us literally being jolted. By this, especially this story and the confusion yeah. of it. Which I guess is more on, so the writer Joe Harris, I guess that's more on Joe yeah. Harris. It's a little on Joe. I mean, yeah, sometimes you gotta be like, like, what the fuck are we looking at here? And they're just like, do what he says, because I don't know what's going to start. Yeah. Very confusing story. Yeah. It's all, it just left you a little confused and lost on like, what, why, why did we watch, why, it's like that question when I was like, why are we watching this? Joe Harris wrote Darkness Falls. Do you remember that uh, movie? He wrote Darkness Falls, the one about the, the tooth dentist. fairy. Yeah, <laughs> the tooth fairy. <laughs> the dentist. I don't know why. Yeah. That's, he, what, that's what I looked tooth him up and dentist. he wrote, yeah, he wrote Darkness Falls. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense that he would do this kind of yeah. story then. Yeah. And The Wild. Tripper, which I've never heard of. I've never heard of that either. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if I have any like favorite dialogue or favorite panel on this one. Yeah, it, I mean, the it, dialogue I, I is would just s- thoroughly like confusing as far as like what 
you know, just the story of what's going on. I just have no fucking idea. Yeah, and the choice to make the monsters in that weird. I guess what voice. I guess like like the thing you pointed out of Johan being like being being looking like a monster and behaving monstrously. I 100% agree. Yeah, that's the strongest one for sure. If I was a writer, I would I would steal that and in interviews I would credit Joe Harris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be yeah. like I stole that from Joe Harris's like, one storyline in it. One thing because that I really I liked. Do you think that's a great quote? For the BPRD crew. And I do think Abe looks cool in here sometimes. Like, I do like when he's... He's a great... He's well-designed. Yeah, I think it looks neat. I, I like when he's being, like, grabbed on the face by the monster in the kid's bedroom. I like that hand. It looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The way that the inking is done there, where you can kind of see the texture of the, like, the, um, the like, yes. stroke of the pencil and pen there. I think it looks cool. Like, I think there's cool shit about this comic, but it's just, you know... Especially compared to other Hellboy comics, it's like not quite there. Yeah, that's why I think I would love to see maybe that like these artists work with other writers. Right, and like other maybe projects. we're just not seeing their absolute like them in their element so much. Yeah, because who knows what they got thrown on this project. For sure. Um, I don't know if Joe Harris has gone on to write other comics. I would if he does. I'll take those suggestions. Yeah. Just it just wasn't as clean as we're used to. Yeah. That's all. Um, and it had potential to be like a really fun, like BPRD dealing with monsters under a bed. It just sort of got a little wonky. Yeah. Goofy. It's like, just make it, make it a monster. Like just adding. So it's a monster. And then there's also this technology element of like hitting a remote and zapping somewhere. Like, it's just like, just pick one thing and make it that pick it that it's like, Toys run amok that a scientist fucked it. Like, I, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Whatever it, it is. It doesn't have to be fun. like super explained, but if you just pick like one source of its power or magic or whatever the fuck, I think that helps to simplify the story. Simplicity goes a long way. It's, it helps. Like, otherwise you get it kind of muddy and it's like, you don't know what you quite ended up with here. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree with that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of goofy stuff in here. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we read it though. Yeah, me I too. Highlight, I think it, again, cool if, shit. There's some cool shit in it, but like, you know, certainly not in my top 10 or whatever. No. <laughs> it definitely falls in that ranks of like, will I, I don't know if I'll, when I'll be returning to this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all right. Yeah. You know, we they're can, not all, you know, like I was saying, I was saying to you earlier when we were kind of talking about it, like there's no distinct there's no like specific panel of this comic that i would like get as a tattoo yeah you know like it's like some like in in mignola's comic there's like something in every single thing that i was like if that was like an art print i would frame it and put it in my house but like i'm not gonna like frame any particular panel of this right like i'm yeah, not gonna i'm no i don't think that's bad yeah that's a good way to gauge it um, yeah as, uh, uh, if you're going, if you're really enjoying it or not, yeah, because there are mediums in that, but sometimes the me it doesn't even hit the medium range yeah, for me, yeah, and sure. it might be for somebody else. Just and it, again, yeah, it's and, a, and that's a, all just a question of like it's just taste if taste, you like it or not, and also it could be project as we've mentioned, yeah. So that's why I like hearing from listeners your thoughts on this piece, of course, yeah, um, yeah. If you like it, I don't think we'd you're love dumb to hear from and you. I want to hear what you think about it, and yeah. also if you like this artist and you know of other things that you think. Like make aside them from shine us googling better. it real fast, yeah, that make him stand out. Yeah, please share. Yeah, uh, that's the joy of doing this for sure. And also, 
it's cool to see that they were trying to find a clear vision for BPRD. Yeah, they, they were definitely taking cracks. swings and like trying different, like vastly different styles and stuff like that. Like that's, I do appreciate that, that they're like really trying to find it. That's very cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. And again, I'm going to say it again. I think Guy Davis clearly, as we find, we'll, we already know, got the job. Yeah. And it it's just, there's something about Guy Davis and these characters that just clicked. Yeah. And I think that's with anything, any any medium, especially when it's a creative storytelling medium, when it comes to projects like movies, sometimes you get a, like a franchise gets a director, one director might click really well. You might take a big swing with somebody that just might not work out. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Doesn't make it source material bad or whatever. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't at all. And also <laughs> sometimes you got to take those swings away from the norm to figure out what's right. great, I guess. Yeah. Too yeah. about it. I agree. If you didn't have one or the other, if you didn't have the contrast, you probably wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to much. see it. Yeah. Very cool. Again, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, do you have any uh, suggestions to read, watch, or enjoy uh, for our listeners that are based on what we just watched? I mean, it makes me think of Little Monsters. That's a, we talked about Little Monsters, didn't we? Or, uh, uh, I, if we haven't, that's surprising. Yeah. I haven't seen it forever, and I'll be honest, I think I might have never seen it from start to finish. I think we I feel, have talked about it because I feel like I remember talking about the boy, the main villain. Fred, oh, the main villain boy? The villain is called the boy, and it's like this monster that looks pretty fucking scary and gross. Um, I watched it semi recently. I watched it like within the last year. I think I might've fucking talked about it on this podcast. Before. I can't remember the boy. I remember. Was he the guy that was like bigger? Do you want me to show you? Yeah, please. Is he the bigger one that looks sort of like a, gr like has chops and he was like, sort of like had a gut and everything. And no, then they shoot he, the light at him. He looks like fucking Matt Besser, dude. He looks like <laughs> Besser with his face on. But then when you take his face off, he's like this freaky, I don't He's remember. He's got like these weird stitches around his, his head. I don't remember his face that is like stitched all. on. It's only, he doesn't show up until like kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, you're right. I see. This is why I don't think I've seen this. Oh, movie this to, creature. His, yeah. His that's henchmen, like his, yeah. His that's main like number his one. That's what I remember. Or whatever. Definitely. I want to rewatch it now just because I haven't seen it forever. I mean, not it's, saying it's going to hold up, but I would like to watch parts of it. Definitely don't, but parts of it are still fun. Like it's crazy to think of it as a kid's movie. Cause like there's kind of fucked up shit. He like pisses in a kid bullies apple juice. Yeah. And, like, I remember that. <laughs> I remember he changes his hand into a dog to eat the homework. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember specific things. Yeah. Little monsters. I would suggest monsters. Inc. It's very yeah. child's, but it's still fun. Yeah. Well designed. Movie about monsters. Yeah. Listen to Freak on a Leash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> check out Corn. Oh, that's too good. Are there <laughs> any other like monster, like traditional, like monster under your bed movies? I Googled it in after reading this, I was like, but the only thing that would come up was Little Monsters. Um, that's a because I can only think off the top of my head right now, immediately thinking Little Monsters. And Monsters Inc. And I'm like, what else is there? Um, I've never heard of this girl verse monster. Don't know what that is. Don't know. From 2012. Well, this is also a question we have. We've given our very, very almost generic monster movie suggestions. We'd love to hear from the listeners. In addition to like 
what are other monster movies that I'm missing? That are like, I don't know. and I mean, I know there's Monster Squad and there's those, Monster Squad, but I'm like the traditional sense of a monster under your bed. I, think I feel it's like there's really ones I just, just can't that. think of. I mean, like a full feature. Yeah, like okay. So other sort of related movies that uh-huh. came up were Gremlins, Drop Dead Fred. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-hmm. I used to watch that shit all the time. I Go loved Fred that movie as a little kid. Um, Monster House, the Page Master, I guess, because he gets sort of like goes into this crazy world. I get how these are all like, but they're close, certainly not. But they're like, not hitting the all the like. The fuck is Mac and me? I know Mac and me. You should. It's terrible. It looks it's, it's gross. A, it's a rip off of ET. This little guy. It's, it's a rip off of ET, and it's hilariously bad. I guess ET is sort of like that because it's like. But, a I, little I, but I want monster. more just that traditional sense of it that come from under your bed monster or out of your closet. Yeah. Very interesting. I can't I, think of them. What's that movie where the kids find dinosaur eggs? Fucking prehysteria. Prehysteria. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Never saw. I remember the cover when I worked, when I would go to the movies like store. Oh like yeah. Blockbuster. Yeah. I remember always going like, what's that? What the fuck is that? Well, never know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, again, I have no other suggestions that are. Yeah, based I don't know. On- there's probably there's probably one out there that's just eluding us. But yeah, I, totally. It seems like an untapped story. Yeah. Like there's a lot of potential there unless there's something we haven't heard of. or that really Easily sucked. could be. Yeah. But I would love to hear from others about that. Um, and reminder, you guys can follow us on Instagram at Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast on Twitter at Aw Crap Hellboy. Yeah. You can subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you podcast um, if they offer that function of rating review. But on Apple Podcasts, if you give us a five star rating and then give us a review that starts with the r- word boom, we will read your review and praise you right here on the show. Yeah. So remember that. But before we can actually let you go, <laughs> Kate's got to give you this week's prompt for hashtag right hand of draw. Okay. So for this one, I was thinking Hellboy 2099. So like if you've ever seen like Spider-Man 2099, like nice. we've never seen Hellboy really in the future, or at least so far. So like a sci-fi kind of future sort of either BPRD member or Hellboy himself, um, just with a goofy ass fucking space kind of suit or like a Spider-Man 2099 inspired, like cool looking sleek suit or whatever. Like what would this look like? (laughs) I love it. Hellboy 2099. Yeah. God damn, that's funny. <laughs> it's very stupid. My dream is that someone will just put Hellboy in the Spider-Man 2099 outfit. Yeah. <laughs> just that color scheme and everything. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Hellboy 2099. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. I hope we get a bunch of these ones. <laughs> yeah. uh, please, when you do, um, if you want to participate, when you post your pictures, um, use the hashtag right hand of draw as well as tag us. Ah crap. A Hellboy podcast yeah. on Instagram. We will repost your pictures and so that our followers will see your art and then event and then the hopes of them following and seeing more of your art. Yeah. It's the whole, we're just using it as a tools that way, you know, to have that communication and celebrate you guys that are choosing to listen to us. Yeah. There's so many great creative people listening to us and, drawing stuff so far and it makes me laugh so much and also just be in awe of everyone's talent. So keep it up. If you like drawing, please do it. Yeah. We really appreciate you. 
Uh, we'll see you next week for more um, Hellboy fun <laughs> <laughs> or BPRD. Thank you again for listening, and we both love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll never say it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Shelly Slocum, and I'm doing a podcast about the most important relationship in your life. If you're a parent or you have parents, this podcast is about you. Each episode, I interview a mother or a father, and I get to hear about their transition in taking care of another human being. I also bring on an expert so we can tackle a topic in modern day parenthood to kind of dig at the deeper truths that are out there. Because, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll actually figure out what it means to love another person. That would be amazing, right? The Story of Mom. Find it on Campfire Media. Campfire. Campfire.